My next guest is standing by on the line. Uh, Sianda Magayana is the Senior Officer, uh, Gender Equality and Anti-Discrimination Office. Um, It's a unit for institutional change and social justice at the University of the Free State. Good morning to you, Sianda. How are you doing? Sianda? Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, now I can. How are you? No, no, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm so sorry. The net, the, the network decided not so good. No, do not stress one little bit. We live in South Africa. We are very well versed on uh, the technical uh, challenges that we are facing right now in light of load shedding. Um, let's get straight into the gist of the matter. Um, we are talking around gender-neutral languaging and titles that can help create a more uh, equitable and, I guess, uh, inclusive a playing field, particularly in the scholastic environment, if we're looking at um, high school or senior school, whatever one may call it, as well as the institutions of higher learning. Because um, this is, it's a new world, but it's an old world, right? New in the sense that we are now newly relearning old habits. Um, as a society, we are newly relearning how to engage each other in a way that is more inclusive and less discriminatory. Um, so it provides for a new conversation around how do we do that at school? Yes, yes. Thank you uh, for, for that, for that uh, introduction because I think I feel like you've already given my introduction and thank <laughs> you to the listeners. So as you have said, this is one of the most important conversations we should be having and conversations we should be, have had in the longest, longest of times because as South Africa, we've been advancing for diversity, we've been advancing for inclusivity, hence their information. However, on the ground, we see that there's still a lot more that needs to be done to make sure that we make this a practical thing for us. So it's important at every phase of our lives to be having this conversation and dialogue mm. in every corner of society. Is it an easy one, though, when, when, when one, especially given the demographic, um, and, and I can imagine the the sort of apprehension or maybe even reluctance from the 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 parental um, you know supervisor the parental group. Um, it's one thing to 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 want to change or to want to reform how how schools approach things, particularly schools. But it's another thing to convince mom and dad and guardian. No, it's, it's definitely not an easy conversation because, for example, for one, our parents are not so uh, open-minded into having a conversation about sex with their kids. Mm. And because especially issues that touch on gender identity and gender um, or sexual orientation mm. or anything that is related to sexuality and gender identity, because these are the conversations that our parents never got the chance to have. They never got the chance to even learn about them in schools. Because the systems back then were very much uh, gender binary. They mm. knew that there's only a man and a woman. And they continue to be a part of other institutions that still preach the same uh, message, like the churches and their societies at large, that there's only a man and a woman. Mm. So it doesn't make it easy for them to have these conversations because in the greater scheme of things and in their greater parts of their communities, they are not having these conversations. They don't feel that these are important conversations to have, even though they see that the society has changed over time. Mm. Their children have changed over time, and there's a need for change. But these are conversations that we also can't have with our parents, because if I were to go home to say to my mom, listen, in as much as I work in this space, mm. I do this 
still not an easy conversation to have because it goes bad back back to them relearning and resocialization, which is not easy, mm. especially if the other parts of society are not playing that part. Mm. So all these parts of society, especially institutions of socialization, needs to be need to be aware and want to be a part of this conversation and dialogue. So mm. It's not an easy one to have. Would you say, Sienda, and I don't know, you, you work in the field, would you say, though, that perhaps even part of the approach is allowing people to freely vocalize what their concerns are, um, you know, because maybe not giving that space also adds to the problem of how slowly we, we actually reform ourselves. No, I think even in the space, um, one, I think a number of times we think that because I work in a higher institution of learning, mm. we think that, <clears throat> excuse me, even academics, for example, are aware mm. and willing to have these conversations. It's quite uh, like the inverse is that not all of them are even aware. Because if we're looking at our academics, we have professors that are like 60 years old, mm. and which means that they also need to be re-socialized. They mm. need to understand so many things. So even in the space that we are in, it's not an easy conversation to us because there is space for that, especially if you're at university. You are aware of that. You know that there is a space. Mm. So it is also created in some parts of universities. There is that. However, some universities, they are not there. But I think a number of these universities that we have in South Africa, there is that space. Mm. But there just needs willingness from ourselves as the community, the university community, to want to be part of that conversation mm-hmm. and just see the need for that conversation. Because in as much as we are in, 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 in universities, we, I think in the, in the, in the article, I, I do say that our university has uh, a direct reflection of our society. Mm-hmm. So the very same issues that we have in society where people are not open-minded, we still have that mm-hmm. within systems of higher learning. The space is there. Perhaps we could do more to make people aware. Mm, mm, absolutely. The space is there to have use. Absolutely. It is the voice of Sianda uh, Makayana joining me. She's a senior officer, gender equality and anti-discrimination office um, at the uh, Unit for Institutional Change and Social Justice at the University of the Free State. Um, and we're talking around gender neutral languaging um, and titling and, and, and how that frames itself in, in the context of schools and uh, institutions of higher learning. Um, you, you know, there are some schools, and I was saying to my producers, for the life of us, we couldn't remember what the school was. But I remember, you know, coming across an interview on Newsroom 405 towards the end of the year of a high school um, led by a, a female identifying principal. And they had started in recent years to change um, you know, and to be more inclusive and to, to move away from gender binary identification, even in, in the smallest ways, but that made the biggest impacts, you know, um, getting rid of titles like head boy, head girl, um, and just saying head student, uh, opening the bathrooms up for, you know, unisex, having male identifying, female identifying, and then non-binary unisex bathrooms for, for those students that feel safer within that space. Um, 
and I remember her saying integral to the process was involving the student body, hearing from the students themselves, um, you know, how they would like to see their environment. Are a lot of schools or some schools and varsities engaging in that kind of dialogue as we shift towards a more inclusive, um, you know, scholastic society? Yes, yes. Uh, we we are engaging in those because as, uh, as an office we have these awareness campaigns and residence drives where we engage students around um, many topics and even the ones around inclusivity. Uh, because, for example, residences, we find residences to be one of the most um, uh, non-inclusive uh, spaces environment, especially for trans and uh, gender non-conforming or non-binary students. Mm. Because uh, there are so many, especially in, in, in all institutions, there are cases of trans students who are, let's say, for example, if a student that identifies as a, as a trans man, mm. but because their paperwork and their identification still maintains that, they are trans, they are men. Mm. So they are located and they are placed in residences that are aligned with the identification in their papers, mm. but not their current identity. So which poses a big problem for this student because now they should not be in that space. Mm. They should, we should as universities have gender non-neutral spaces where anyone and everyone, and it's not specifically for LGBTQ plus students, mm. but for anyone and everyone who wishes to stay there, to stay there. We create a safe space for everyone who identifies differently or even because when we speak about gender neutral spaces, we are not saying that it's a space for LGBTQ plus students. Mm. It's for everyone who feels that they can stay with everyone. It's an inclusive space regardless of your gender identity and expression, mm. which is very important. So with that school doing that, it shows that our, our, a number of our leaders, they understand, but when it comes to making it practical, it becomes a problem. And it's very easy because this is promoted by our constitution. Our constitution mandates mm. that everyone should be included. They should feel protected at all times and represented. So when we have these awareness campaigns, this is what we are preaching. This is what the residents drive to even engage them to say, okay, what, where are you with regards to this? Because, for example, I, I always say when we have in this uh, campaign that, for example, in our homes, we only have one toilet. Mm. And we use it willingly without any questions. You share it with your sisters, you share it with your neighbors, and anyone who comes in contact with you at home mm. without any we give them the respect to use their toilet. So why should we then think differently when it comes to universities and in our residences specifically? Mm. Where we feel that but this is a, a female rest. Therefore, that is a female toilet. Why can't anyone just go in there? What we then, what would they, they say is that but we don't know what's going to happen. And I tell them that the problem is not the restroom, but it's the perception in people's minds that when I go in there, what's going to happen, which, is now, which now becomes a question of safety, yes. not the restroom. So we need to tackle questions of safety, the rape culture within our campuses, which is a problem, yeah. and not these restrooms that are inclusive. Yeah. Sianda, unfortunately, we have to wrap it up there, but thank you so much for, for the conversation this morning. Uh, that was uh, Sianda Makayani. We're going to take a quick one and then get into the 8 o'clock news.